Welcome to the Weekly Hook, the podcast where usually one of us chooses a topic they're hooked on and the other has no idea what's coming. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad, and today we're going to do things a little bit differently with a shared weekly hook. I know, it's crazy. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at SerialHook.com where you can get all our latest info. And now, let's talk about some music. I thought you were going to say, let's talk about sex. And I was like, that's not the 2010s, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a topic for today, but maybe in the, in the future. Who knows? Everything is on the table. But no, today we are going to do our uh, respective top 10 songs of the 2010s. Let me tell you, Rashad, this is not this is not good for me. I this is this goes against all of my listening habits because as we have established before, you're more of a song person and I'm more of an album person. So this was really difficult for me. How was it for you? This was really difficult for me as well, uh, but I think in a very different way, because for me, I kind of realized through this process that like um i don't know much about music i know nothing about music and also like music is something i always have in the background but i never really pay attention too much to which is a problem and i've actually i was actually thinking to myself and i'm gonna go on a little tirade here as i am wants to do but one of the things that it made me think about is why i feel i was actually uncomfortable in this process and i was thinking why do i feel uncomfortable about choosing these songs and i think for me underlying my relationship with music was and this is going to get really real for a second was um a nascent feeling of shame to a certain extent Mm. in the way that to have the conviction to pick a song that you declare as something that you like for me was something that i've always tried to avoid i think stemming from the fact that i don't know much about music so my taste in music is quite basic or it has very little thing, very, it's not, it's not developed at all. It is not, has no, has no grounding in narrative or story or technique or materially valuable things. Instead, it is something that is just simply, I like this. Therefore, this is a song that I like, but I really had no rationality for it. So I didn't really feel the, I don't know. I've always kind of felt um, uh, differently about my taste in music as compared to television or movies in terms of declaring what I like because I don't really have rationality for anything un- underlying in this. So it was a very difficult process for me from an existential point of view because I had to re-examine my entire <laughs> life's relationship with music. And then also from a technical point of view because I had to actually whittle this down to 10 songs even though at one point I was struggling at nine and I was like, crap, I have to find the 10th song that I liked from this decade. <laughs> This is just like your favorite movies of the 2010s then. <laughs> because oh, really? if you remember, you had nine, I think you had nine uh, movies very quickly and then had to decide between 17 different movies what your number 10 is going to be. And yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, I have done two musical or I guess three music related weekly hooks. Uh, so far and i've always found it very difficult to talk about it like how do you talk about music i i have i find it very 
easy to talk about the lyrics, which is a huge part of the music for me. But musically, I can tell you that I like something, but I cannot tell you what it is, or I would make a very poor job of it. And so we're we're in this together to some degree. I totally understand it. And we just got to go through it. We know nothing about music. That's fine. This is just about, you know, we, we don't claim to be experts on this topic. We're just talking about things that we enjoy. And I think that's fine. I think this exercise to a certain extent is contrary to my entire being in the sense that I've always tried to obfuscate my answer to the question, what kind of music do you like? I always just yes. say, oh, I like everything, whatever, anything's fine. Do you like any specific artist? Meh, 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 meh. That's always my kind of answer to the question. <laughs> and here I am going on record, not, not hugely publicly, but somewhat publicly being like, these are songs I like. And yeah. it's quite, it's, it, yeah, it's quite uh, scary in a way. Yeah, I had a I had a really difficult time with this for for different re- for like many different reasons. One was that I try I mean this is about the favorite songs, right? This is just about on, on the the premise of it is just 10 songs that you like the most, but for me I couldn't stop thinking about okay, this song really is a stand-in for like this entire genre that I like. So this has to be included in the top 10 songs. If you looked at the 10 songs that I've been listening to the most from the 2010s, that would be a wildly different list. It would probably just be from three different uh, people. But I think still, I, I had to, as the writing advice goes, kill a lot of darlings here. Um, one thing, for example, uh, is... For a long time, I wanted to include a song from the Hamilton musical, but I didn't in the end because I never listened to a single song from there. I just listened to the whole thing. And so it would be disingenuous to say, oh, this is my favorite. This is one of my favorite songs because let's face it, the entire musical is something that I like and that I just listened to it as a whole as with some other artists that i listen to entire albums of theirs but not really single songs and so if this was 10 top 10 albums of the 2010s would have been way easier for me and that would literally be impossible for me because i have never in my life listened to a full album from beginning to end so i (laughs) i don't even know where to begin talking about albums as a whole it's so funny to me because in some sense, all of my 10 songs are from concept albums today. So all of them, all of the songs that I picked today are part of a larger narrative that is that, you know, the artists that have created them don't see their, their, their albums as just a compilation of songs. But the narr- there is a, an overarching narrative with all of the albums, the collection of songs that I, they have chosen for it. And yes, this is, this is so basically we come from entirely different points today. While with the movies, I thought we would have some overlap. And for this, I would be very surprised if we have a single song that overlaps. 
And even if we have a single artist that overlaps, I would also be very surprised. So Mm. I'm really excited for hearing this and kind of going through this journey with you. Great. But before we do that, I... As I do with these top 10 lists, I I just have to give some honorable mentions, if you allow me. Go ahead, rattle them off. I'm just going to put myself on mute and uh, (laughs) chill out for a bit. (laughs) Yeah, because in in going through my contenders, I realized that I could cluster some of those artists together. Like there's the indie rock corner, there's the, the rock corner, and... I, I had actually different artists kind of pitted against each other. Um, and then I had to decide, okay, the, like of these three, only one of them can make it. And so I had to choose one. Uh, and in other, in other times, I had pitted two artists together and then decided not to include any of them <laughs> in my final list. And I think if... I, d- I didn't do a top 40 this time because frankly it was it was just too difficult in general i literally when i messaged you yesterday i was like oh yeah i have my top 10 and it's like 62 minutes i changed two songs since then and um so i just want to talk about some artists in general some some specific songs of theirs that were really close to making it, but for one reason or another, didn't end up making it. So the one, the first, I already, I already mentioned the Hamilton cast recording of the Hamilton musical. We have people like The Weeknd, Lord, Childish Gambino. We have for for a more singer songwriter corner i suppose we have boy we have angus and julia stone we have courtney barnett who specifically it hurt me to not include because there were some she has some really great songs um on my shortlist were avant gardener depressed and, and pedestrian at best we have in the indie rock corner we have maximo park with the undercurrents and the 1975 with somebody else or love it if we made it that might might just be my number 11 that song um in the more instrumental corner i had to decide between two artists and i didn't end up choosing anamana gucci which just do an incredible amount of basically like almost video game gamey songs in terms of their music style uh specifically maybe everything explodes was one song that i kind of focused on for this and in the very end there were two songs that i really like and i've listened to a lot but not recently because i think i listened to them uh too much and one of them is robin dancing on my own and the other one is lizzo juice which for me is just the anthem of 2019 basically but i just i just don't really find myself listening to it anymore um and yeah maybe that that is the shortest uh honorable mention segment ever but i just wanted to give a shout out to all of these different artists all of which are great but yeah i i it was so difficult man. it was so difficult not to include them uh, and I made some choices for my top 10 that if I hadn't made them, I could have easily included some of those in here, but I just couldn't go against my heart. So 
I'm just going to ask you, what's your number 10? My number 10 is from the aforementioned Hamilton <laughs> recording. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and so I was, close. Yeah, and I was uh, really quickly able to pick out the song that I wanted to pick from mm. that recording. And it wasn't really just like, I didn't really go about it the same way that you did to be like oh i have to have this genre or this kind of subsect re- represented in a way this is just like the song that i listened to over and over and over again in the summer of 2015 when the when kind of a lot of people got swept up into the hamilton recording even before i had seen it in person or on disney plus but it is uh satisfied um by mm. renee elise goldsberry and obviously written by lin Mal- Mi- manuel miranda all right so what we're actually doing this time, um, we're going to be listening to these re- these songs as we go through the process uh, for legal reasons and for many other <laughs> for many reasons. For not, <laughs> we cannot share this with everyone today, but I encourage everyone to go check out the songs that we are listening to on the Spotify playlist that we put into the description of this episode. But we're doing this as we go along, so uh, we just finished right now listening to satisfied and we are i can speak for both of us and saying we are pumped the song is so good uh, <laughs> <laughs> i had listened to it so actually as i was writing notes for all of these songs that we're gonna do i basically what i would do is i play the song and do it on repeat as i'm looking up information on the song or just like going mm. back and forth so like i listened to all of these songs so many times like basically <laughs> today like for hours and just trying to figure out everything um and yeah such a it's like I'm not going to belabor uh, about the song too, or not going to talk too much about the song here because we have a whole podcast about Hamilton. So we really recommend <laughs> you to go check that out. Chris did an amazing job talking about it. And just want to say that this song is amazing. Shout out to Renee Elise Goldsberry, who, who just like fucking she does everything in the song. She kind of moves you, makes you laugh to a certain extent, like feels all the emotions in the world in this song. She just kills it. And um, in, in this in a soundtrack that is full of amazing pieces, this is this is the one that stuck out to me the most, and is the one that I spent you know the most listening to that summer. So, yeah, uh, fuck it, satisfied. Number ten, such a great <laughs> song. I mean, it is so good. I was I felt a little a little twinge of disappointment that I didn't include any of the songs now in my top ten, but that's that's the choice I made, and I gotta live with it. And it's just an amazing song. And I totally get why you picked it. It is one of the best songs and oh, so nice. And yeah, l- go listen to the Hamilton episode. I think it's like the weekly hook seven or something. It's an early one for sure. Wow, you remember that? That's impressive. It's only because I looked it up yesterday because I wanted to, I had to re-listen to it to see what my top four songs from it were. <laughs> wow, wow. That's commitment. Yeah. I love it. All right, my so my number ten is um, you asked me yesterday, kind of flabbergasted, how it can be that my top ten songs all together are almost twice as long as yours, and that is because I have three songs that run over nine minutes on it. What the hell? Oh my god! Uh, among Chris. other things, <laughs> <laughs> and this one is the first. Um, it's from the album Departure Songs. It is the Australian post-rock band We Lost the Seas song, A Gallant Gentleman. Never heard of it. Yeah, it is It is kind of a niche thing. Uh, post-rock as a genre I have discovered maybe five, six years ago. And I actually found it through this album, more or less, because I don't know how I 
how I found it, but I just found myself listening to it and it just has this drawn out musicality. The the instruments that just play very slow, very I don't know, very very calm and departure song specifically has a very melancholic or sad feeling to it and it just i i think it's just very beautiful to sing to to listen to um and yeah i just had to include it in my top 10 i felt like because i come back to it every once in a while i st- uh, for some time that was the kind of music i would listen to whilst writing but then i still found myself being swept up just by the instrumentation of it without you know it doesn't have any lyrics it does have some vocals in it by i think an australian school choir or something like that um and but yeah i still found myself being emotionally affected listening to it so i couldn't really uh work while listening to it but yeah i just it is it is very different from your number 10 it's but i I don't think it's less beautiful in in a sense and yeah i just find myself being drawn to that kind of music every once in a while so yeah that's why it's my number 10 i hadn't even thought of considering music that doesn't have lyrics in it to be fair Mm. that kind of music i similarly when i have to focus i'll listen to that kind of stuff but it's more just i find a generic working playlist or writing playlist and then just play uh play what's on there and not really paying attention to the actual songs that's in it because for me the idea is it's kind of like a white noise thing so yeah um, while it is relaxing it's something that i had never really thought of as something that i would particularly enjoy as an individual piece but listening to the song it was beautiful and you know it actually made me want to write yeah and it's very interesting i once saw a uh, video of the uh, a concert of theirs and just it's so fascinating to see what ostensibly from their instruments is a rock band but they play very different kind of music and just seeing the audience's reaction to this kind of music which you know you you could say that it's instrumental music and what we what we mostly associate with it is more quote unquote classical music but just seeing like a rock band on stage but then this sort of music was just an interesting juxtaposition for me that sounds really interesting i'd love to check that out but first we got to check out your number 9 what is it my number 9 kicks off <laughs> a series of uh, non-english songs and it's something that I didn't really so like okay so the 2010s have been has been a decade where I've traveled around quite a bit so it's something that I really I really realized through this process that I relate music with certain places or with certain phases of life and that corresponds to where I am at a certain time so I guess with that said my number nine is 2017's Yaleli by Balti featuring Hamuda. I mean, I have maybe not surprisingly, I uh, have never heard of that before. Uh, but it was interesting listening to it just because you know there's such a. I think musicality just can transcend languages, 
and it's like it doesn't matter if you if you understand the language it's just like if it works it works that's for sure and i found that in my extended list beyond the 10 it uh, there was actually much more international languages than i thought there would be i had you know much a, a much more varied language uh range in the in the larger list in the short 10 list it became a, only a couple languages here and there but it was it is actually interesting how as you said musicality can transcend language and also it is a bridge by which we can start start to understand different perspectives as well once you start uh, listening to things and also it also for me at least it shows certain universal themes that um, transcend cultural and linguistic barriers and um, music is such an emotional uh, medium and the ability to convey those messages in different ways across the world is 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 it's just a great um uh, yeah it's just one of the great best things about music for me is uh, seeing it from a different perspective around the world and its uh, ability to uh, connect us in different ways so um i guess with that said uh balti is an, a tunisian rapper and uh hamuda is a previously unknown child that he um chooses to rap uh, the song with and Hamuda does those vocals in the chorus and um, neither have really created much music since uh, but um, this <laughs> song uh, when it kind of came out in 2017 exploded around the Arab and the Francophone world it topped the charts in Morocco, Tunisia Algeria etc etc and it is large. it's about a child struggling to find a place um, within a, a, a a context of domestic abuse towards children. And it speaks to that generational trauma that comes from um, divorce and domestic abuse and how that uh, goes from one generation to the next and then it defines the person as they turn into adulthood and defines the future of their entire life and, uh, and how society pushes um, children from speaking about domestic abuse and how um, this is uh, the toxic nature of it. So just to get a sense of, I guess, what it's about. But um, it's just a powerful song, has a great meaning, fun beat, love to listen to it. And yeah, it's just, um, it's it's very interesting because if anyone who knows Arabic that's listening to this, Tunisian dialect is very, really, it's really hard to understand for um, most other Arab speakers, unless you know what you're like, unless you're from the region. So it is really interesting to have to like look up what some of these words mean or what he's saying sometimes <laughs> because you're like, I swear, like, I understand like half the words or 70% of the words, 80% of the words, but then you're just like, wait, what is going on there for a second? But, um, such a great song. Um, love it. And, uh, I think there's a lot of music from the extended Francophone Arab world from North Africa that has bled. A lot of it's coming from France itself, uh, mixing French and Arabic, which is a really cool um, music movement, I guess. But I, yeah, so this is indicative of that, but from the from the African continent, I guess. Oh, quite, even all the more powerful, given like the real life story of, you know, a father and his child uh, that he didn't know he had. Wow. So, yeah. Damn. Uh, my number nine is, I misremembered earlier, 
obviously a gallant gentleman was six minutes long not nine minutes long this one is almost 10 minutes long but you know it richard i can guarantee it because it is it is the second instrumental song on in my top 10 it is from the soundtrack of game of thrones season <laughs> six it is light of the seven by ramin jawadi Oh man, I know where this is. Oh yes, okay, uh, <laughs> let's do it. So good. As I as I told you as we were listening, I am now ready to murder an entire family and jump out of a window. So let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Spoiler alert? Question marks. I mean, it's fine. It's been years. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a great song. I I knew I wanted to get something from a soundtrack, and then very quickly I realized it has to be Ramin Jawadi. It has to be Game of Thrones because this is just incredible. And it was between this and The Night King, but I ended up going with Light of the Seven because it is just a little bit better, I think. Maybe also because of what is on screen, which is just just so powerful. It is 10 perfect minutes of television, 10 perfect minutes of scoring, and the instrumentation is so powerful. We have... Uh, the build-up of this entire song, kind of like the previous one, just on a bigger scale. And we have the piano, which is very unusual for Game of Thrones. It doesn't really come up that often in Game of Thrones music. Uh, we have the cello, which is a Raman Jawadi staple, especially for Game of Thrones, but it's also one of my favorite instruments, and I'm always happy to hear it. Uh, we have the organ that just lends this eerie, creepy melody to the entire song. We have the two singers that do a tremendous job um, sounding a little bit off-kilter, just a little bit gothy horror sort of way. And obviously the other string instruments, just when that when the finale kind of kicks in. And it is it is a long song. <laughs> it's 10 minutes, as you remarked. Uh, when we're when we're listening to it, but it's it's just so good. It's the build up is amazing, the payoff is great, and it's a perfect song. Did you play any instruments growing up, Chris? Sadly, no. My uh, my mother's side is a pretty uh, musical family, but um, I was never taught any instruments. I was never forced to play any any instruments, and so I. Uh, that is sadly missing from my repertoire. Oh, that's too bad. I um I played the viola for 10 years and it was like, you know, so I'm very partial to orchestral compositions uh, for mm. sure and to a certain extent wished I always played the cello because it's just such a beautiful uh beautiful instrument. Uh yeah. and <laughs> have I told you the story of how I picked the viola? Yeah, I think you you mentioned that on the previous episode that your teacher play the imperial march or something yes 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 there you go <laughs> which is the it's... most Rashad story ever <laughs> i love it uh but uh here we are um are we ready to move on to my next one or should we uh continue talking and gushing about ramin jawadi and his amazing work i mean we could but this is not we could do an entire episode about his music maybe we will at some point but this is not about him uh, this is about our top 10 songs of the 2010s. So what's your number eight? I have no idea what's coming. 
And you definitely have never heard it. Oh, maybe you have. I don't doubt it. Uh, my number eight, continuing in a fashion of non-English songs, is um, 2019's Bokura Truth by Okamoto Emi. All right. Never heard of it as well, but it flows very nicely. It's very funky. It's very poppy. Uh, and yeah, I, c- I could... I could see that also being a song that one could write to. Of course. I mean, for me, it was uh, a song that I just, every time I listen to it, I can be transported back to where I first heard the song. I can still picture the place I was sitting in the cafe where I heard it. It was one of those times where you hear a song just in a cafe on the speakers Mm. and you're just like, oh, that's good. Let me Shazam this. And then uh, (laughs) it kind of took me on a journey looking for Japanese music and previously because I'm not a huge fan of uh, Japanese or uh, J-pop or K-pop or much like yeah. that and I'm not a huge instrumental or music guy like Joki Saishi like you are um, so a um, shout out to our first uh, weekly hook first weekly hook right Is that yes one very the very yeah. first one good memory yeah so go check that out and uh, so for me, finding a, a, a tune and uh, a vibe that I could uh, vibe with uh, in a song <laughs> that is just uh, really interesting and fun for me um, is, uh, yeah, it just it sparked an interest that uh, took a couple of years to, or is still going on, I guess, to a certain extent. But um, yeah, that's, that's about it. It's not a particularly famous song, not a popular song, uh, but a song that I really like. All right. We come to my number eight, which is another nine-minute song. Uh, but the, this one has vocals in it, so we've got that, uh, or rather lyrics, uh, we, we've got that to look forward to. And it is from his magnificent album, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It is Kanye West's song, Runaway. And here's where the inferiority complex comes in. <laughs> Your songs are so cool. I love it. It's great. <laughs> I had never heard it before, but uh, what a what a great song. Yeah, I re- I can really recommend you listen to the entire album. It's so it's incredibly good. It's probably one of the best rap albums of all time. Um, and this song specifically, you know, Kanye is extremely good as at those boastful songs where he just raps about how great he is but this one is is just very different it's it it is him opening up being very vulnerable admitting mistakes he's made and how guilty he feels about them to the point of self-loathing specifically about how he treats his partners and relationships and how he uses sex and consumerism as coping mechanisms for his his uh, hurt, and this entire this this entire album kind of came in the aftermath of three things that happened all within I think a year. One was the death of his mother. The second was the um, infamous. Uh, him being on stage at the v- VMAs talking about that Beyonce's music video was better than Taylor Swift's, um, if you remember that, and the public outcry and his, like, all the criticism he got after that, and then the end of his uh, relationship with his long-term partner. And this song is... 
I think, yeah, it is it's a kind of an unusual uh, Kanye song in that regard, but it's all the more powerful to me uh, what he, because, you know, Runaway, it is, it's ba the title of it is basically something that he says in the, um, in the song over and over again to his future partners when he says, run away from me, baby, as fast as you can. And yeah, it's just, again, like the self-loathing of how he treats other people, specifically women. And what, stri what strikes me most about this song, though, is the last two minutes, which have vocals, but no discernible words because his voice is very much distorted through synths and autotune and even though you can't really hear what he's saying the sound of his voice still i find so evo like emotionally evoking and resonating with me and that is something that you know we've talked about we've just talked about how music can transcend uh, languages whether you understand them or not you can still hear things in in the music of it and the lyrics and how they are sung and i think you can just say the same thing about the last two minutes of this song yeah it reminded me like as if as if he is like on something and not actually mm -hmm. like speaking uh clearly and it just kind of i don't know i don't know if that's actually true or not or what the intended purpose is but for me that's kind of how i read it yeah from what i From what I remember, I think that was things he actually said in some like some sort of outburst when he was recording the album. Uh, that was just like him kind of beating himself up, but also regretting things he has done. And the the track was just still running, and they just so that it, you know, they 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 decided to use it still and. And as, uh, by mean, I say Kanye specifically because he was the main producer of that album as he has been with all of his albums because his production is always amazing. And yeah, he he just, you know, took it through some layers so you don't really hear what it sounds like. And for me, it, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from with the sound. Like it definitely sounds kind of otherworldly in that regard like uh, maybe he was just on something it, but it also reminds me of maybe like almost like a wounded animal that is just like moaning a little bit um that's kind of what what it reminds me of sometimes but yeah i think all like there can be vastly different interpretations of it and what remains is that it's a powerful song and powerful last two minutes yeah what a great choice As for my next song, uh, my number seven is a song that we are both well aware of, and it is uh, 2016's A Good As Hell by Leo. Leo, wow, Lizzo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, such a good song. Right? It's uh, so amazing. It's just like, it makes you feel like so good <laughs> all the time. Yeah, so, such, an, such an energizer. It's so good. I... Again, I, I love Lizzo. I think she was one of the artists of the of the second half of the 2010s. Um, yeah, and it's just uh, such a such a feel good song. This one, it just has so much energy, and it's just it's so contagious in a way. It mm. I came to the party late, so I I discovered not discovered. I heard the song for the first time in 2019 alongside Juice, and those two songs. 2019 was just entirely 
devoted to those two songs. So <laughs> it's just like I have memories very specifically of walking through Heidelberg and just like bump into the song because I go to Aldi and just like figuring out my life is just such a great time. Um, I, I really interestingly, I divided the two songs into Juice was my biking song and Good as Hell was my walking song. Nice. <laughs> it was like such a great summer. It just also one of the better summers of my life in general, uh, you know, spending so many so much time with so many people and had a great time. So uh, yeah, just it's such a memorable song to me of a very important time in my life. So yeah, for sure. Uh, good as hell, for sure. The song's good as hell. And <laughs> that time was good as hell. All right. My next song for a change is going to be quite short and also kind of a feel-good song as well. Uh, it is... It is Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet from her album Dirty Computer. The first song, oh, not the first song that I knew, but the first like song of lyrics that I knew. So good. I love the song. <laughs> it's been so long. I hadn't heard it in a long time. Kind of forgot about it, but <laughs> great choice, Chris. Great choice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I knew I wanted a Janelle Monet song in in this list. Um and I had kind of a hard time with it because I the I I really like Dirty Computer, but I also really like her previous albums and the like three act structure she has in like these three concept records about you know the um, Metropolis LP and then the her first two albums all about the uh, character of Cindy Mayweather and. I love that story so much, and I think maybe I pre I prefer her first album overall. But in terms of a singular song, this is just you know a funky, funky song that is just great to listen to. I need I need definitely needed a song that was spreading some good vibes, and uh, that was just the right choice for me in the end. I I love the uh, the overall feel. For it. Famously, Prince was working on this song with Janelle Monet, and I think you can hear that it's it's very reminiscent of Prince. And I mean, not to take away from from her, she's she's great. Uh, again, I love all of her music, but as a, like a, a standalone song, I think this this is, that was kind of my best bet because a lot of the uh, of the songs from her previous albums were so integrated in her in the overall story of the concept albums that i found it difficult to to pick any of those but yeah it's just a great song yeah i'm like happy just listening to it once and that followed uh, that before good as hell like we're we're on a good vibe right yeah. now <laughs> so, so i'm curious are you going to you know keep on that train of good vibes or are you going to take a departure I am going to completely ruin our vibes right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, my next song is, uh, uh, yeah, not at all upbeat or happy. It is um, 2016's I Hate You, I Love You by Nash and Olivia O'Brien. It's so funny when you said, when you said who, like when you, when you were just telling me the song, I was like, I have no idea who that is. But when you put it on, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> For me, every song list needs some sort of a breakup song. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I mean, 
you know, you don't want to get too personal or something like this. But yeah, this is a great song. And um, it is something that, you know, I come back to quite often just just randomly, not even only when you like you need a support mm. during a breakup. But, um, <laughs> you know, life, uh, it, you know, this is a great song. And it's, it can, I think, be applicable to different places and a simple message um but mm. i think it's uh it's fun for me and in an interview um kind of nash the the rapper in the song uh, spoke about the sentiment of it and he's saying that it really sets up it's really built on a dichotomy in which the happy sad feeling of knowing what you miss might not be what's best for you but also accepting at the same time that either way no matter the amount of time it doesn't seem to feel any better and it's, it's a struggle that's familiar to a lot of people out there and um it i just for me this song encapsulates the confusion and this the 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 struggle of going through uh, either a breakup process or any uh um my potential love struck issue whatever it may be so yeah i hate you i love you it's a good song i mean for me at least This is where, like, I get, like, nervous and I start, like, <laughs> couching all of my opinions in, like, um, qualifiers. So this is uh, this is where we're at right now. No, I mean, I really like that song. I like that, like, from an instrumentation standpoint, it's, it's I like its simplicity that it's just the piano and, and a drum, like, some drum beats, uh, which kind of really adds to the overall, you know, boiling down the emotions. So I think it's a great pick. All right, my next one. Ooh. That goes that goes that brings me back to the 2000s because it's from my f- probably my favorite band of all time. It is Do I Want Do I Want to Know by the Arctic Monkeys from their album AM. What a great song. I haven't heard that one in a long time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's Again, like Arctic Monkeys, probably my favorite, uh, my favorite band of all time, and I I really like AM as an album, and that's I was really going back and forth between this song and Arabella, both of which I think are it's it's so close, but uh, for some reason I I kind of went with my gut and took Arabella, uh, decided against Arabella and took Do I Want to Know, and just I think just the instrumentation is just so good like the opening drums and that guitar riff there's i mean it's a good there's a good reason why arctic monkeys typically open concerts with that song it just ah it's so it's so iconic almost and you know the topic of it is funny that you chose a breakup song and i chose a song where it is about you know someone wondering whether this love they feel for another person is requited or not and uh you know literally do i want to know if this feeling flows both ways and yeah alex turner is a great lyricist he's been writing amazing songs for the last oh wow almost 20 years now and yeah it's it's such a great song uh i don't know what else to say it's it's kind of a very simple one very straightforward in its message very clear instruments but just a banging song yeah just that basically it feels like an instant classic in a way it's just mm-hmm. it is it transcends all genres to a certain extent but then also generations of music so well done it's so funny how i you know 
looking up all kinds of different songs for this episode or released how i realized how many of those are actually singles uh which i didn't know until i looked it up um but it makes sense you know um they were just standouts for me in the albums but um you know this one yeah as you said instant classic as with honestly many songs on that album for sure so all right so my number five is another or my last non-english song and it's 2015's Mrich by mashrur layla wow that was that was beautiful uh i really like that one that's one of the best songs i mean obviously it's in the top five but yeah. <laughs> it is it gives me goosebumps every time yeah. that is an incredible oh. song um and if i don't know if I think of all the songs that are on my list from top to bottom. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to any of the songs, this is the one of my list that I would recommend you listen even above the top five, the, the things that are ranked higher than this, but <laughs> because I think it leaves the biggest impression on people, even if you don't understand yeah. what's being said. Um, but yeah, it's just an incredible song. Uh, Mashur Leila is shout out to Logan who introduced me to this band and had a <laughs> went through a long phase of loving this this band uh, through and through. <laughs> it's a um, a four member indie rock band from Lebanon, and uh, they've become a large voice in Lebanon, highlighting issues of the gay community in the Arab world. And they, I mean, I would really recommend you check out this interesting profile on in the band that was written in the Guardian, I believe, uh, in 2019. And you can they like they go into the history of uh, Mashur Leila and their whole thing, and uh, it's just it's the band itself is really interesting, um, well known in Lebanon, not so much outside the Arab world, but uh, this this song comes from it's the last song in their 2015 album Ibn Al Layl, which means the son of the night, and it is it's just a beautiful song uh, about escaping the struggles of reality through a, a kind of a, somewhat of a vicious cycle through drug and alcohol addiction and the struggles of dealing with those ups and downs in life and the lengths that we take or people take to escape reality and the painful journey that that roller coaster causes i mean going up as he put puts it am batla means i'm going up and he's going up to mars is in, is in his escape uh, but it, in, in and of itself, it's a struggle. And to be admonished by society as you kind of come down to reality further erodes your life and creates this vicious cycle of um, going up and down. And it, it just, it's an incredible song that's very metaphorical in its lyrics, um, powerful in the way it uh, you know comes across. And it's just so simple, but so, 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 so beautiful. So uh, 2015, check it out. Wow. Um, it's difficult to follow after that, but luckily I have chosen someone as my number five that I have talked about quite uh, intensively and extensively as well. Uh, recently, on another weekly hook, uh, my number five is How Much a Dollar Cost from Kendrick Lamar from his album To Bimp a Butterfly. Ooh, what a song. Uh, I mean, I had listened to this since uh, we recorded recently about Kendrick Lamar. So thank you for that introduction a while back. Uh, I don't remember the ranking of your Kendrick Lamar songs because I can't remember anything we see on the podcast. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that this isn't higher. Or if this is your only Kendrick Lamar entry, I'm surprised it's not higher. But I maybe there is another one coming. But, uh, you know, don't spoil anything, of course. 
Yeah, we will we will see about that. Um, yeah, but I'm not go- I'm not gonna talk about this song too much because I already did in my Kendrick Lamar episode. So if you're interested in hearing me talk about that and my top four albums and songs of his, uh, you know, check that out. All right, and with that, I'll go to my number four, and this is the song that makes me so nervous to say publicly, but. Um, it's a song that I actually haven't listened to in quite a while, but it is uh, from 2010 and it is just like a, if you think that I'm like a bundle of emotional angst now, like 10 years or 12 years ago, it was like times a hundred and this song just like, I don't know when I think about this era. So like one of the process that I did in terms of finding the songs that I was going to pick for this list was just go through like the different songs from each, each year. And as soon as I saw the song in 2010, I was like, oh, my God, that song. And it just brought me back. And it it's, it's just so embarrassing to say. But here we are. Um, 2010. Uh, it is Impossible by Chantel. So I only knew the version by James Arthur until now. And I didn't know, actually, that that was a cover of this song that you chose. So I learned something today. Um, but tell me, why do you feel nervous about it? It's just like, I do. <laughs> it's one of those songs that I think that like, when you choose something like that, when you talk about that, it is um, just maybe putting your heart a little too far down your sleeve, if that makes sense in a way. Um, and well, it's also, especially like in 2010, like, you know, you have to set the stage. I had just graduated high school, going to college. Like, I didn't know anything about anything. I still don't know anything about anything, but um, especially about like, I mean, thematically, this is not a complicated song, right? It's it, it has like a specific message and love's difficult, right? No shit. Mm. But um, I mean, I just like I like particularly maybe I'm not like why I'm a, why I'm nervous about the song, but why I love the song is or what it represents for me is like that deep emotional connection that you can have in a specific era of your life. And even though, for example, I hadn't heard the song in probably like five to six years. I, at least, when I, like, listened to it for the first time, like, a couple weeks ago, preparing for this, I just, like, was immediately brought back to that moment in life and time where, it, basically, this song was, like, my one of my lo- most listened to songs for probably the first half of the decade. And mm. it, um, that emotional, like, connection that kind of goes beyond logic. And because, like, why am I nervous about choosing the song is because I don't know why this song I like. It's not particularly like, I'm sure it's not a good song. I don't know anything about music. I don't know anything about anything, but it is something that just like, it emotionally resonates with me particularly. And especially in that period of my life, um, you know, in uh, early college uh, when things or late high school, et cetera, this kind of uh, emotional angst uh, time of life where you're just like going, feeling lost in the world. And I guess like, you know, the chorus is simple. It just reads... All we had is gone now. Tell them I was happy and my heart is broken. All my scars are open. Tell them uh, what I hoped would be impossible. And it's basically that. Yeah, that same struggle. Like we all know these like life, love is difficult. And I think that her voice has just resonated inside my own brain whenever I deal with the struggle and uh, particularly at that time in life. And if we're talking about the entire 2010s, 
we have to, or at least for me, I thought I had to talk about the beginning of it as well. And it's part of the journey that I went from loving this song to loving other songs and, you know, doesn't take away from my, my love of this song. And I think also the ideas or the questions about guarding yourself in or like, how do you respond to this difficulty of love? Right. Do you, do you guard yourself? Do you leave yourself open and vulnerable? And I mean, these are just, just, rhetorical questions obviously don't answer them chris but um <laughs> like how do you wear the scars of the, your past and trying to uh, from your upbringing or from your other past experiences to make a stronger version of yourself and i think all these themes and ideas are wrapped up in this song that you know i just particularly like and it's interesting to me how the james Arthur cover got much more famous uh, maybe not much more famous but it kind of went into different circles um and for me this one just hits a lot more home obviously it's the original version of the song but it's uh yeah i just i, I just really like the song and it it takes me back to a specific time so mm -hmm. i mean i think that's what it's all about in the end music makes us feel things and so i think it's great that it resonated so much with you. And I mean, I think it's just a really solid pop ballad. Um, maybe very much rooted in its time. I think if you had asked me when this song came out, I could have guessed that it's not in the last five to eight years. But, you know, I don't think that that's anything you can hold against it, you know. So I think I totally get why why you're, you're you know, this is your number four pick. I think also one thing to add to that is that, you know, it's it's not cool to like a, a, a normal pop ballad, right? Like it's mm -hmm. cool to like the indie band or like this like cool thing that like you're just like, oh, man, I discovered this thing. Da, 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 da. But sometimes it's just kind of you go with what, you know, is something you like. And um, I guess this whole exercise of Serially Hooked in general is putting what we like on the forefront unabashedly and in pursuit of that exercise or in pursuit of that goal um I, I couldn't lie to myself and not put this song or you know all the other songs that we've talked about today uh, on this list preach i mean that yeah that's what it is all about and i think something that i realized doing this as well is that in the last few years there have been there has been so much good music coming out. 2020 was incredible. Uh, and I think in the last few years, I've really uh, been on a journey, if you will, discovering how great pop music can be because I used to be that guy who was just like, oh, pop music, I don't want anything to do with it. Or like at the very least, it's, uh, you know, it's just like a guilty pleasure or anything. But no, pop music can be great. And, you know, yeah, I, I like what you said there, you know, unabashedly standing for what we like. And I think, you know, that's what the, this is all about. So more power to you. Power to us all, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> power to us all indeed. And with that, we're entering my top four and a an artist that I have, speaking of the last few years, I have come to like a lot. And so my number four pick I've really gone back and forth which song of his from that specific from the album Blonde I'm going to pick, but I ended up going with Nike's. And of course I'm talking about Frank Ocean. What a song. Oh so nice. I, I mean, obviously Frank Ocean, it's it's no surprise that Frank Ocean's on your list because I mean, he's great. <laughs> yeah, he's I think like one of the artists of the last decade, obviously. 
and I re- I really struggled with this one because I wanted to pick a song from Blonde because I really love this album, but I I was going back and forth between this song and Siegfried, which is just very simple, very emotional, a love ballad and. But but I, when I was being honest with myself, I just listened to Nike's way more, and I just think the composition of it is amazing. With you know, with the auto tune in the very beginning, and talking about the superficiality and materialism, and escaping into what gives us pleasure, whether that's sex or drugs or what or you know, just buying shit, um, and. Yeah, I think it's a great song. I it really represents this entire album for me. And yeah, so I just I just had to pick that. Siegfried also a great song if you want to check that out, but just had to go with with Nike's because I listen to that at least once a week. I love it. Well done. Oh uh, man. So should we go on to my next one and get into the top three here? Yeah, shit's getting real. What's your number three? My number three is uh, 2018's Beyond by Leon Bridges. Ooh, I, it's a very interesting song. I, lo- I love how many love songs there are on your list. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, interesting lyrically, where he says at one point that he's scared of having found, possibly having found the one. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. So what do you make, make you pick that one? I mean, this song is kind of yeah. As you can tell, there's a lot of love on my on my uh, on my list. Um, you can tell that my what my relationship with music is like. Uh, but it's kind of the opposite in from the old uh, the, the 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 previous song in the sense that what happens when things are going so well or when things like you meet someone and you get really excited about things and that's kind of like love can be scary in a way. And for me. Mm-hmm. In some ways, this song is sort of a modern interpretation or response to the the classic Elvis song, Can't Help Falling in Love. And mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, wise men say only fools rush in. And he's asking the question here, is it foolish if I rush in? Is it foolish if I kind of go head first? Is this the one? And there's this like moment of trepidation about whether or not to be excited about the potential for something special. But that kind of... Often many many of us are have been burned in the past or have a fear of being burned and really kind of letting go and letting ourselves get swept up in whatever is coming is is really difficult as it can be sometimes and um, it's just it's such a beautiful song lyrically because it is this confusing place to be in but obviously Leon Bridges if you haven't heard his music is just an absolute genius like the song the way he sings the song the way it sways like just his voice and it's one of those songs that when I listen to it like with intention it has such a deep meaning but then when I just kind of listen to it when when it's there it's just something that you can easily easily listen to over and over and over again and it doesn't kind of like weigh you down in any way unless like but then has so I don't know it's just such a great song with so many different layers so it for me rightfully uh belongs up here at my top three so my number three song nice well well folks from here on out it's just gonna be repeats no new artists (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um again something i've been going back and forth over um and for the longest time i didn't have a second 
a second song by this artist, but I just yesterday I thought about it and I couldn't I couldn't pick a second I couldn't not pick a second Kanye song. And I really wanted to pick Power again from uh, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But as with Nikes, I had to be honest to myself and think, you know, which song do I listen to more, Power or the one that I ended up picking, which is Black Skinhead from the album Yeezus. What a song. I'm so pumped right now. Yeah. (laughs) It's... Oh my god! I mean, the drums. I mean, can we talk about the drums for a second? This is just of like, course, this is all the song is. It's so powerful. It really gets you into the zone, and with the groans in the background as well. The lyrics are great. Um, even though power might be a little bit better in that regard, but still, I think they're great. Talking about uh, how the color of Kanye's skin and the stereotypes and negative uh, reactions he gets are ever present in his life and the interactions he has with other humans. Um, and it's weirdly related to power because in, in power, he jokes about, you know, every superhero needs his theme song and this is his. And because power is just an incredible song that I now realized I listen, I don't listen to it often enough. Um, but yeah, it, Black Skinhead. I I remember when I listened to it because for some reason, I I skip. I didn't listen to my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy for a few years after it came out. It kind of, even though it you know made huge waves, but Years was the was the uh, album that elevated my my love for Kanye's music onto another level after graduation and 808s and Heartbreak. And this song it just has it all. It's a, it's a great Kanye song. It's a great song for, you know, as, as you said, get pumped up. It's a great song for a workout or a run. It has been on every running playlist I ever made. And yeah, it just, how can you not love the song? I mean, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels like, right? Um, yeah, so just incredibly powerful. Also check out Power on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy for sure. But this one I just had to pick because I just, that might still be my number one, like most listened to Kanye song of all time. Uh, so yeah, definitely a great one. Do you actively make your workout playlists? Uh, not necessarily not work out when I'm when I'm lifting weights, but for runs, I tend to, to do this thing where I I know I kind of know when I'm running. I'm going through different stages, right? You know, in the beginning, I can't run full speed. I need to get into it. Um, I need to get started, and then I I just gotta keep going and then i get into a high then i get into a low then i get into a high again and for the last part of it i uh, need something to push me over the finishing line so i basically chose the songs on what they evoke in me and also their length so i know okay this is the second song so it's like minute four. I need this sort of feeling. I need my music to help me in my runs. Uh, and 
yeah, like Skinhead was always the one. For a while, I was running uphill at some point, and that was always the song that came on when I was making that ascend. Wow, that's really cool and really structured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just because I, I at one point I realized how much the music I listened to affected me, and so I really play uh, planned it out. Okay, like by minute four, I'm here. By by minute like this, I I need to be in this mood. I need. I need, you know, this sort of music. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to think what was what was in my my evergreen playlist. I remember I started out with uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Black Moon Rising. That was the first song because that kind of just got me into a rhythm. Uh, it was kind of a fun tune to start with, and uh, I, I remember Galvanize one was on there. I remember Black Skinhead was on there. Um, but I, I don't really remember a lot of the other ones because it's, it has been a while since I went for a run. Wow. Love it. It's yeah. a great job. <laughs> All right. We're into my top two. And yeah. um, my second uh, top song, I guess, <laughs> is Green and Gold by Leon Le Havis from 2015. I mean, Wow. I I really like the song. I love all of. I think everything is on point here. It's I'm I'm I'm, oh, and so it's such a feel good vibe as well. I love it. Like the guitar is great, the drums are great, the bass is amazing, the deep voice, the surprise brass instruments there. <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah. So when people ask me what kind of music I like, this is the thing song I think about, and I never really know how to describe this genre. Um, and so this this song comes from the album Blood. And the album's genre has been described as neo-soul neo slash jazz style with elements of R&B, doo-wop, reggae, and gospel music. So <laughs> that's the kind of music I like. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, the, so Leon Le Havis is a British singer. And this album Blood uh, is made paying homage to her greek and jamaican roots and green and gold the colors of the jamaican flag is um the a song where she infuses a jazz infused song that builds upon this cascading guitar and obviously the, you mentioned the brass instruments and this finger snapping rhythm that goes through it um, it begins with a uh, uh leon mahavis recalling her childhood identity crisis kind of examining her features in the mirror and kind of questioning and coming and relating to the colors of her mother's Jamaican flag or and her Greek father's roots and then her London upbringing. And through the song, she eventually comes to accept who she is and embraces this strange image she saw in the mirror as a child. And from the second verse, she says, and now I'm fully grown and I'm seeing everything clearer. Just sweep away the dust from the mirror we're walking hand in hand on warm white sands. Accepting who you are is a very difficult journey, especially if you're, you know, children of immigrants, international, transnational, sec like transnational life, and finding the sense of belonging is is uh, is a journey that a lot of us go through. And this song is just it hits it. It's fun to listen to. It has all the best beats and all the just like types of music blended into one. Great vocals, and it's. It is, and also on top of all of that, this intersection of transnationality and identity, and I'm just like, this is just like, <laughs> this is what? your song. <laughs> this is me. This is me to a T. So this song is uh, such a great one. I love it so, so, so much. 
and Leon Lajavez just kills it with his whole album. And this is one of the few albums that I've actually listened to. So <laughs> that says a lot. And um, Green and Gold is such a great song. Sweet. All right. My, oh, my penultimate song, my number two. This is something, again, I've talked about recently. Uh, long story short, it is Mad City by Kendrick Lamar from his first, or rather second studio album, a good kid, Mad City. Ooh, what a song! I mean, that's just so intense. I, I fucking love that song. Um, again, a song that I had only heard since you recommended it a few days, a few weeks ago, or whatever. But such a good song, love it. Yeah, again, I uh, I talked about this ad nauseum uh, in my Kendrick Lamar episode. My favorite uh, spoiler alert for that episode, I suppose. But uh, my favorite Kendrick Lamar song of all time and so powerful um and yeah i obviously had to pick it for my top 10 it was uh i was not surprised that it made it that far up it kind of surprised me that it's not my number one and i guess we'll find out what my number one is very soon but first i gotta know rashad what's your number one? Ooh, so my number one um is i think yeah, I'm just going to say it. It's a 2012's Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Wow. I mean, talk about powerful songs. Damn. <laughs> Woo! Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, first of all, great production on that song. Uh, yeah. And I, I love a two-parter. I love that it's kind of split into with like two sides to that song uh and i just looked it up and of course it has it has a sports uh connection uh love that not just a sports connection the most important moment of my entire life by far yeah it was funny as soon as he said he's a philly rapper i was like okay does this have anything to do with the eagles and sure it does But also, what a fucking song. I love yeah. that song so, so, so much. Um, it It is just like the encapsulation of so many things. It, as you said, great produ- production. The, the name of the song, Dreams and Nightmares, is split up into two different parts of the song. The first half being dreams, the second half nightmares. It is, you know, beginning with the struggles that you grow up with, that accomplishing dreams by kind of overcoming struggles of life and how they can be uh you know they can fuel accomplishing what you want to accomplish and you know that first half of the song his ascension it slowly builds up and up and up and then on a dime it switches and it the the nightmare sets in the nightmare of the dream set in and it's he has an anger-ridden tirade of the success and the life that he's built and the enemies that he makes along the way and um, this, this, how it tears him down, all these things and the consequences of actions. And it's just such a great song from beginning to end. Um, he ends it by saying, uh, the last line of the song is, it was something about that Roly when it first touched my wrist, had me feeling like that dope boy when he first touched that brick. He's making an analogy between the Rolex on his, on his wrist, that symbol of success that he's had with handcuffs with being tied down and being pushed to the ground um, in total submission and how dreams that appear to us and uh, they appear as success. And even when you achieve them, they turn and they can turn into nightmares and how that fine line between 
uh, success and failure are always being walked in, walked, uh, walked uh, between or crossed, with, especially with those who in the U.S. I mean, this this song is also laden with his experience in the criminal justice system, going in and out of jail repeatedly and his his incarceration throughout the 2010s. And um, it I mean, it's, it's no secret that Meek Mill, since his most his latest release has come has really advocated for justice reform and has become a symbol of the city of Philadelphia, but at large, the struggle between ra- rappers and them coming in and out of jail. And he has just, you know, he's encapsulated so many things all in one, one particular song. And it is stuff of dreams and hopefully also stuff of nightmares, I guess. <laughs> Whew, I mean, powerful song. And attentive listeners might have realized that I spoke at the very beginning about three songs that are about 10 minutes long. And so far, we've only had two. So the last <laughs> one, <laughs> strap in Rashad for another 10 minute listen to a song. But I mean, it's a good one. It has to be. It's my number one. And again, a repeat performance, I suppose. Um from his first album channel and uh, channel orange it is frank ocean again with his song pyramids what a way to cap a great exercise in our top 10 songs such a great song and it's just like it it's so long but it doesn't really feel that long in a way it just kind of mm. keeps you going in such a it's just just genius in that way well done thanks <laughs> i mean mostly to frank ocean obviously because he is the one who did it Small part, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just said I love a two-part song. This is one of those that is kind of split in the middle. And, I mean, the instrumentation is just, it's just musically an ever-changing song with myriads of influences from all kinds of different genres. You have basically all all of music in this in this song i would say and you know it's also also from a from a lyrical standpoint it's amazing about it because it has this like double meaning about you know a uh, a, a pimp falling in love with a sex worker of his um and then uh, which he likens to cleopatra and Ma- mark antony um uh, you know, so it's it's on one one side it is about this Egyptian pharaoh, and on the other side it's about uh, that stripper with the same stage name, uh, working in Las Vegas, and it is yeah, it's about black women and what men to do to them basically, and what what just yeah I think musically it's a perfect song, lyrically it's a perfect song. But what kind of I can't believe is that you know it's it's all about the pyramids, but it's also musically because throughout the song there are these musical pyramids where uh, some tune just you know ascends is on is you know has a has like a climax and then descends. So the the motif of the pyramids is throughout the song, not just in the lyrics but also in the music, which I just. When I first read about that, I was like, my mind was exploding. <laughs> so, 
yeah it is, it is a kind of a perfect song so that's why it's my number one i suppose and yeah like frank ocean definitely someone that i have grown to really appreciate in the last few years i mean looking at your list as a whole i mean you have kanye kendrick lamar and uh, uh frank ocean it's just like that's that's the 2010s for you yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly right yeah. and yeah, that, and they have six out of the ten songs. Again, I could have probably uh, put more uh, of my other uh, like musical interests in the top ten if I just said, okay, one song per artist, but I couldn't do that. Honestly, it was difficult. And yeah, so I just didn't. Yeah, there are no rules here. Just get to ten. Do, do what feels right. That's all that matters. Exactly. And you were true to yourself. Exactly. Yeah, what an exercise that was. Maybe we'll we're going to do uh, top ten albums of all time at some point. But Ooh. for now, for now I'm pretty done. Uh, I need some food and maybe a nap. <laughs> and um, so, thank you so much, Rashad, for going through this exercise with me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for indulging me in this process, and it's been such a great journey. I think like I've expressed a lot about myself on this this uh, trip on this trip that we've been on and it's nice yeah. to kind of like you know you talk to someone for hours every week and you still have you still have some things to learn about the people that you are closest with so i appreciate it it's been a fun time the, is that that is the greatest cap of all about of all of this i think so dear listener if you're if you're, I mean, if you're still listening, you obviously like this episode. So if you've enjoyed the show as a whole, uh, you know, to support us, please give us a five-star rating or the maximum amount, really, wherever you listen to podcasts. And for Rashad, I'm Chris, and talk to you next time. Good night. <laughs>